Hi there, this is Donna Bordeaux with Campground Accounting, and you're listening to Campground Compass, the show dedicated to campground owners in an entrepreneurial mindset who seek to grow and expand in the wild and wonderful world of business. Hey, how you doing today? Hi, Zach. I'm excited to be here today. We got some great topics. Yep, yep. We got some good more, some more good news, some more bad news, <laughs> all around. We so. like to start off with the good news. Though. Yep. Usually, we yeah. try to. We yeah. try to. Well, I had an interesting conversation I wanted to talk a little bit about with uh, some folks who are in the midst of building a campground, and they shared with me some troubles that they had. Uh, some of their pain points right now are that they are not getting great advice from their current accountant. Their current accountant, when asked about depreciation and how they'll expense things, didn't give them any advice at all and really kind of avoided the whole question. And I realized depreciation is a mysterious topic that people think is so deep into the tax world that they should just not even try to understand. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. we can give a little basics yeah. to help people along the way. And hopefully you can explain it a little bit better because I don't really understand a lot of it. I know what depreciation is, but again, I don't know the deep details into it either. So hopefully right. I'll learn some too. Well, we'll roll it back to really super simple. First off, depreciation just means when you buy something big or make a big investment, you get to deduct it a little piece at a time because it's going to be something that lasts you a long while. So if you build a new site, it's not going to just be all done after one year and have no value. It'll still have value along the way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So that's really what depreciation is. It's just taking something big and dividing it up over multiple years to say it's not just a full expense like normal operating supplies that are done and gone. If you bought some new paper towels for the bathroom, those aren't going to last you more than a year. So they're all gone. So there's some confusion about how we depreciate things and there's two different ways to depreciation. There's multiple ways, actually. But the two simplest ways are talking about how you do it on your books and then how you do it for the IRS. Of course, the IRS rules, not real simple. (laughs) They always like to complicate it. Yeah. God forbid one of these 87,000 agents (laughs) tries to change the rules. That would be unheard of. Yeah. Because everything that they would be... The improvements, they would just be too simple. So they just got to make it harder. They got to find a way to make it harder. There are a lot of lobbyists at work here to help make this even more complicated. So the first area uh, that my prospects were surprised about is that they bought some land. And they were surprised to find you don't get any deduction at all for buying land. (laughs) Guess what? It doesn't go down in value. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Land just doesn't go down. So it doesn't depreciate at all for book or tax. Mm. So once you buy a piece of land, it's yours to keep. You get to keep it on your books at its current value. Now you don't have to pay taxes when it goes up until you sell it. So that's a good thing. Yeah. It's always good. But land's super easy. You just don't depreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um. Now, what if you buy, like, a tractor, you know, Mm -hmm. 
guys always love to buy heavy equipment. Yeah. So we want to drive it around. So how long do you think a tractor will last you? I don't know. Maybe 10 years. The IRS is five. So that's pretty good because yeah. usually, you know, I've seen people with old tractors all around. It also depends around. how much you use your tractor. Yeah. Like if you're, if you got, for instance, like a driving range, they use their tractor four times a day. Yeah, so definitely. If you use your tractor once every month, it's obviously it's probably going to last longer. Yeah. What about like golf carts? Is that in there? Yeah. Golf carts and equipment. All equipment and machinery, pretty much. And I'm going to use all. Don't take that literally. <laughs> I'm not giving you specific tax advice at the moment. But most equipment and machinery is depreciated over five years for tax purposes. And, of course, it's not just one-fifth every year. Yeah. They have to make it more complex than that. <laughs> but in general terms, we're not diving into the details too much. Five years for machinery and equipment. So your mowers, your tractors, all your diggers, <laughs> moving some dirt around, um, jump pads. Oh yeah, five years yeah, common in in campgrounds. Any kind of heavy trucks. I would think trucks. those would last more than five years. You would think. Well, so, it really doesn't have yeah. anything to do with how long the stuff lasts. Yeah, it's just how long the IRS says you got to stretch it out. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of things on books from many, many years ago that are way more than five years old yeah. that still have value, a yeah. fair market value, but not from a tax perspective. Yeah. So like talking about jump pads, like what about like, I don't know, like furniture or stuff like that? Is that Yeah, five years furniture that and fixtures go seven years. Okay. Why those last that much longer? I don't know. <laughs> um, but the IRS says seven years for furniture. Huh. Now, let's back up one step. Uh, with all this equipment and furniture and all the things that we capitalize, that's the fancy word for depreciating things, um, the IRS finally, a couple years ago, said anything over $2,500 for a small business is what you have to capitalize. So if you go buy couches for $2,000, you can expense them all. You're one. Uh, if you buy a mower for less than $2,000, you get to deduct it all full right up front. You don't have to capitalize it. So the, we're just talking about big purchases, and it yeah. took us a long time to figure out what big meant in the eyes yeah. of the IRS. Um, it takes a lot of time to figure out what anything means in the eyes <laughs> of the IRS. Yeah, it probably took it, 40 years. Because it seems like there's, I don't know, maybe 20 eyes in the IRS <laughs> phone system total. Yeah. There's probably about 10 people working that line. I think so. <laughs> I think so. And they don't answer the phone. Yeah. So for all this stuff that's five and seven years, another little glitch to all this is that if you have a profit, you can write them all off in year one. That's called Section 179 deduction. Mm -hmm. Lovely technical terms. But that just means, hey... Don't make me wait the five years. Yeah. So in most cases, you can go up to a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. If you have the profit to sustain mm -hmm. it, you can write it all off at once. And to make this even easier, we have bonus depreciation in play. Ooh, jazz Ooh, hands, jazz hands. Bonus. Video, video people, you can see <laughs> I got the jazz hands. We're so excited. Bonus depreciation was another thing they put into place for some economic benefits to encourage people to spend money. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of encouragement in the past couple of years. But 
the bonus depreciation is a special rule, but it's getting ready to expire in 2023. So the big picture answer here is there's a lot of rules when it comes to depreciation, but you need to yeah. know how quickly you're going to be able to recover yeah. costs when you make investment. Now, I don't suggest you try to figure all this out as a small business owner. Yeah, definitely. This is the reason why you get an account. Right this here. is. This is where you ask the question before you make the purchase. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of accountants fail small businesses. Fail to work well with small businesses is because they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And they're are ha they're having a lot more trouble answering these. You know, a lot of these, if you were to go up to your average accountant, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I would say it's pretty low if you ask them, well, how long does a jump pad depreciate? <laughs> First, they're going to say, well, what's, what's a, a jump, jump pad? pad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's why the industry specialists can work a lot better with you. And that's why, that's kind of why we provide value. Yeah. And, okay, listen up. I'm going to give you a million dollar tip here. Maybe not quite a million, but. 0.9 million with taxes. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you buy a park model, a trailer on an axle that can move, that's not a building. We didn't get quite into the building part yet, but buildings in a commercial setting take 39 years to depreciate. That's a long time. So you're telling a campground owner if they buy a cabin to rent out and put out on a site... That it's going to take them 39 years to recoup their money. What are the odds that most campground owners will be alive in 39 years? <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it yeah. out there, but, yeah. you know, I well, won't say all of our industry is old. We have a lot of young, proactive people, and this is not a shot at the campground industry, but a lot of these mom-and-pop shops that, you know, the ones that still use Excel to schedule and right, the right. ones that, you know... Still do um, all of their all their scheduling. They do in an Excel spreadsheet, that kind of stuff. That are not as forward thinking as most of our clients are. They are getting older, and it's just the harsh truth of it. A lot of the industry is older, but we also have a lot of new people coming in. So, what are the odds to new people? Some of the new people will even be in business. That's one. Okay, now you gotta to you gotta let me finish my million dollar tip though. So if you visit your local accountant and you told him you bought a you built a cabin on a site ah that's going to be 39 years of depreciation that's how it gets treated for tax purposes guess what if you're working with me i'm going to say does that cabin have an axle or better yet if you're planning to add cabins i'm going to tell you that you can write off something that has axles in five years or with that bonus depreciation or section 179 all in one year so if you just spent sixty thousand dollars on a park model cabin to rent out and you go to joe accountant across the street and they do your taxes you're going to get one thirty ninth of that depreciation expense in one year you talk to me or somebody who understands that that is not a building it, because yeah. it's not affixed to the ground and that's a piece of equipment because i can move it from place to place mm -hmm. you're going to get full deduction that yeah. year 
So one idea that we had mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast or just me and you talking, or I, th I know we did videos on it a while back, but putting, buying travel trailers and putting them in your car. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you know, and the park models have really gone up a lot in price. They used to be twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 when we started out maybe five or six years ago when people started putting those in campgrounds. Um, now it could be sixty dollars to $80,000 and you might have to wait a year to get one. <laughs> yeah, buying a used RV or even a new one, a travel trailer, and parking it on one of your sites as a rental unit. Yeah. Great idea. Great opportunity, yeah. And again, this is one of those where if you've got somebody proactively working with you who says, hey, have you thought about this? If you're getting a lot of people requesting cabins and you don't have any, well, here's an easy way. Also, you may have a little insight into someone selling because they might be in your park right now as a visitor. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely having those options opens you up to a new marketplace of people who haven't begun to travel and buy the RVs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it will be a good intro yeah. for a new guest yeah. to become for a long-term guest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And the people also, we're talking about all the millennials coming into the parks. Some of these millennials, either they're just starting their business or they're not super rich or they have not acquired their wealth yet. A lot of these millennials are not, not going to be able to afford to buy a camper yet, but they enjoy camping and they want to experience the world. And remember, is camping, is, camping is for experience. Yeah. So yeah. you can provide that new experience. Yeah. And yeah. that one client may become a lifelong client. That one time that they come, if they really enjoy it, you know, they're going to come back. Absolutely. If they go for especially like, Labor Day, for for example, Ocean Lakes. I'm not throwing any shots at Ocean Lakes, but there's a lot better parks than Ocean Lakes. But, but we went there over Labor Day, and we've gone. We went there when we first started camping, and we go back almost every single year. We go back to Ocean Lakes. Yeah, it became a tradition. Yeah, it just became a tradition, and it's not like. Like, there's a lot more high-end campgrounds, because Ocean Lakes, is obviously, it's a family campground. It's built for families. It's built for to hold a lot of people. It's a super park. <laughs> 30,000 people there on yeah. Labor Day. <laughs> yeah. And it's insane there. But, you know, the fact that they can book out on Labor Day, that still just amazes me. For yeah. how, how they can even book out at all. Yeah. Or how many sites and things they have. But I know a lot of people, I think... Um, one of our friends, and I might be wrong on this, but he started out, he went to the, one of the, what are the houses they're called? The lake house. The rental houses. Rental. There's a word for it. I don't know. Condos. Yeah. Type things. At Ocean Lakes. And they went there their first year. And then we went there in an RV while they were there one year. And then they bought an RV. Yeah, and, and now they, they have, have a big, big long RV that's <laughs> longer than ours. It's not a motorhome, but it is a heck of an RV or a heck of a. It's a big piece of equipment it, fifth wheel, right? to follow. Yeah, fifth wheel. Fifth wheel. Yep. Yeah. So how long does it take to depreciate? 
<laughs> well, the fifth wheel can move, so it's on yep. wheels. It's a piece of equipment, machinery, five years. Yep. Buy it, and it's done. Let's let's dive one step into where it starts to get a little fuzzy and hairy for people, but they need to know consequences before they do things. But improvements, like what if you put in new sites? What if you put in roads? Uh, what if you put in new water lines, septic systems? How do those depreciate? Well, we look at each one individually to get the lowest amount of years possible. We have some special rules right now in play, but in general, improvements can be 15 year. If they're not 15 year, they might be 39 year, uh, but we try to get them as fast as possible. If you build a house or a building that's part of your campground, now it, it, those go at 39 years. So they take a little while, but they maintain their value pretty well. Mm -hmm. So you just want to know what you're dealing with. And one other weird thing that I see a lot of errors on returns with are the owner's homes on site at a campground. Those are still commercial property, residential rental property. So if you bought a house and just rent it out, that would be at 27 and a half years. Who knows how they came up with that? Um, but 27 and a half years. But an owner's house on a campground site is still part of the commercial property because it's part of a business. So it's 39 yep. years. Yep. So lots of fuzzy stuff there. But the real trick is if you're doing those big kinds of improvements, uh, adding a pool, big things, you need to have good solid advice before you start. So yep. make sure that you're working with somebody who can answer yeah. those questions yeah. before you start. If not, let us know. We'll be happy to help you or dig around and find somebody who actually understands you. Yeah. Yep. So we'll transition kind of out of that. I know. Yeah. Um, I've probably bored people to tears with depreciation. Yeah, everybody's probably just left. There's probably nobody left for us. I'm sad now. Um, all the work I put into this podcast and nobody's even going to be listening. Hey, but if you are listening, drop us a comment. And also... Big news, KY Conference, Orlando, Florida, November 16th through 17th, 2022. We will be there, so y'all better come see our booth. Yeah. Um, Campground County, we'll be there. Campground County in motion. Yeah. Yeah, we're heading to Orlando. We're actually going to be RVing while we're there this year. Yeah. So uh, we're, we couldn't, we did this kind of as a last minute thing. We thought we were going to have to be hoteling it. Uh, but we're going to be RVing and staying at Fort Wilderness. So I look forward to taking a look at their great customer service. They have fabulous things in play. Um, so I'm excited to be coming down to Orlando to visit yeah. again. Yep. And, you know, this wasn't planned at all, but we might want to go in and talk about Fort Wilderness because that is a great, that is a phenomenal park. And... Yeah, I was younger when we went the first time, so I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember that it was a fantastic park. Um, I rem I remember specifically they had um, all the all the kind of property not properties, but like the privileges things things we talk about like signage. They had great yeah. signage. You know, awesome. All, I I think you know, they have the best cleanliness. Signage. Cleanliness. I mean, there was no. 
you know, know there's, there's no trash. No micro trash. No. trash. Yeah, yeah not, not any like. I don't know. There's somewhere. somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but we went, and it was just like little, just like you know, rice crispy wrappers, wrappers yeah. gum. Granola bar wrappers. Granola bars. And they're just, and I think it was at the beach somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Um, but like, the wind was coming off the beach, and it was just like, yeah, blowing it everywhere, and it was just like the whole like, you clean up all this trash around your campsite. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And <laughs> and the wind would just blow the trash, more trash in your sight. Yeah. It was like, it was at the how outer does nobody banks. clean this up? It was yeah. the KOA and the Outer Banks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know it's tough on a beach with the wind to keep things yeah. from blowing, but man, it's if you've got one of those situations, you need to have a full-time trash guy or yeah. trash person. Yeah. Uh, the micro-trash is... It's, it's one of my pet peeves next to yeah. the junk pile. <laughs> yeah. And notice, notice how we remember that park. Yeah. Not by the beautiful beach. Exactly. Not by the fishing. Yep. Not by the, the great, pool, great they pool they had. The great entertainment center. That awesome, was all phenomenal. The awesome hurricane that made us leave yeah. early. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I forgot all about that. Yeah. I, but I remembered the micro trash. Yeah. So... But that, as you can see, from a camper's perspective, that really does play a huge, huge, huge effect on what's going on. And I will say that, as far as I remember, there was none of that at Disney. No. When Disney takes things to a whole new level in camping, um, every concept that they employ in the parks uh, with the Imagineers, not not workers, Imagineers. Yeah. Um, the creating the experience from start to finish. When you check in, it's an amazing experience. When you're there in the park, uh, they go that extra mile. And obviously you pay more for it, but people are thirsty for good customer service these yeah. days. So don't be afraid of that. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's not that hard. It's just thinking, what yeah. would you want to happen if you were the guest, put yourself in that role of your guest and make it a fabulous experience. And that's what Disney specialty really yeah. is. I remember, and even like, I know this is hard for the smaller parks, but you can brainstorm some ideas about this, but they had like the Disney characters would come yeah. and um, they would, like, like one, one night they had the Chippendale campfire and that kind of s'mores. stuff. And they had, like, like the, the Disney, Disney characters would go down to the pool and they did a conga line or something there. Yeah. And that kind of stuff was really cool. And I remember another one that I'll kind of tie into this, not at Disney, but at the Jellystone. I remember which Jellystone. They had an activity where you could pay and Yogi Bear would come tuck in your kid. Yeah. That was at Mill Run, but, Pennsylvania. But... <laughs> Another funny story. Man, I did not want to go to sleep that night because Yogi Bear forgot about me. <laughs> yeah. So now, so now I don't trust Yogi Bear. He forgot about me. But they made it right. But but they made it right. They did the right thing and they came back after the guy. I feel bad now. I mean, back back in the day, it was like that was cool. Yogi Bear was coming to tuck me in. You know, that's like. 
I could just picture Yogi's all done, and he goes in yeah, to the back and gets saying. the costume off. Ooh, and, it's oh, hot. It, and it was hot there. It was <laughs> hot there, too. And he's probably got this suit off, and he's probably standing in front of the fan. Ah, ah, oh, no, there's, there. there's one kid you forgot. And then he's probably all undressed and getting back into his regular clothes and getting his keys off the hook. And he looks at his phone, and he's like, missed call from my boss. What's that all about? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll call him back. Hey, there's a the kid boss... over here on a site that's not going to bed till Yogi comes to talk him in. Oh, I feel so bad for that guy. <laughs> if that's you, if the chances are probably low that that person will ever hear this podcast. But if that is you, I want to sincerely apologize for a lack of judgment in my part. This kid was ramped up. He couldn't go to bed, though. Yeah, there wasn't but, much else you could do. But for the smaller perks, what can you think of? Yeah, you know, creating an experience, maybe creating like even Great Wolf Lodge. They got characters. What kind of what kind of characters or um, things like that? Just think about that kind of stuff and keep it in the back of your mind and think of ideas for it. Well, it's it's just that going the extra mile. Yeah. So, you know, and in a Disney situation, I've heard all these stories, and we've had our own story of this, but uh, if a kid falls down and skins their knee, what can you do to make that just not be that bad memory, but to make it this incredible memory of, oh, was... of how awesome you handled it? Now we got to tell this story, too. Yeah, I, I'm feeling the Disney story coming on. Um, Zach has a great memory, and I'll let you tell it from your perspective because you were the guest. We'll tell it from both perspectives. And then I'll add my two cents in as the mom on scene. So we were going through what was the Haunted haunted Mansion? The Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion ride. And if you've ever been on it, we wait in line a long while. You wait in line. You wait and wait and wait. And... This was, it was probably seven or eight at night. So this was going to be like dark, the last ride. Yeah. yeah. It might have even been. No, it was, it was later. later. It was later. It was like 11. Because it was we had the, the last extra, ride. We had, you night. remember, we had the extra magic yeah. hours that went to like one in the morning. Right. And well, you were like, this, I'm done. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going back and, after this one. And they begged me the last ride and of the like, night. Come on, come on. Come on. More, we only got more. one more. We only got one more. <laughs> we only, this will be it. So. Was this, we were, were we staying at Fort Wilderness yeah, or a we hotel? Were. We were I think Fort we were at Fort Wilderness. And, you mm-hmm. know, they have like a, I don't remember what park, what park, is that at Magic Kingdom? Yeah. What Honda Mansion's at? Yeah. So is that the one that's got the ferry boat? Yes. That's another great thing about Fort Wilderness is they have a ferry boat that goes to you Disney. You never need like to across the go lake. park anywhere. Yeah. It's awesome. So, anyways, we're on the Haunted Mansion. If you've ever been on it, you go into this little room that's kind of like halfway through the line. I don't know yeah. how to describe it. You go, yeah, you wait in the you line. Part of the story. You wait in the line to go into the room that tells you this kind of story thing, and then like the ceiling expands on it or something. Yeah. And then you go and you wait in another line because it's Disney. Cause right. There's lines at Disney. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. They're staging you. So, all these people, and they pack a lot of people in that room. Like, I'm not saying it's super cramped, but it was pretty cramped. It was tight, and it was night. It was like people were like. Everybody else is probably thinking the same thing. Like, come on, let's ride this last yeah. one. So we're walking through, and then you go through the line, and then there's a moving walkway that goes at the same speed as the cars right. so that you can get on it. So we're going, 
And somehow I managed, like, while getting on the moving walkway to trip. And then I, like, thought that I, like, at the time, well, in reality, I probably lightly skinned my knee. Lightly. Like, super lightly. But at the time, I was, like, distraught. Like, I thought that I had... Add like, a whole my... day at Disney yeah. to the tiredness level yeah. of a a young kid. Yeah. I don't know, you were probably five or six at the time. Yeah. No, I was a little bit older than that. I was probably eight or nine. Right, okay. Well, but... add, the t- add a full day of tiredness <laughs> to I need to get to sleep, but I really want to yeah. do this one last thing. Yeah. So, I was, like, distraught at the time. I thought that, like, both my legs were broken. My he, heart was going to... He laid explode. down. I laid down. I did, like, the... Just you know, like, I did, like, the dead possum type thing. Yeah. Like, He's done. I was there. I was crying. And, like, next thing I know, I look up. The line's gone. Like, yeah. there's nobody in the line. The line, Like, amazing. the entire thing was just cleared. They had amazing. that thing stopped instantly. Yeah. Like, literally instantly. The moving walkway stopped. And there was nobody there. Next thing I go, and I look up, and there's the, they had cleared the entire line. Right. And then they had, like, a first aid kit, and the medical the people The guy came, asked if you wanted a wheelchair. The, the guy was like, oh, do you need a wheelchair? Yeah. And then I stood up, and I was, like, limping, which now I know I probably <laughs> didn't need to be limping. You're just a but, little stunned. Shocked. But I, yeah, I was just shocked that that was the case. And so I was limping. And, um, and, you know, next thing I know, the guy's like, well, you still want to ride it? I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to ride it. Like, what do you think I'm going to wait it all this time not to ride it? He's like, okay. So I ride the entire ride. Yep. Nobody else. We were the only, we're the only people on that entire ride. Yeah. So we rode it. And keep in mind, this is not like it was the first time we rode it. We probably rode it like eight times that day. Yeah. It was the same ride. And, you know, we got done. I was like, oh, my knee feels better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He I was just I was just from the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And so we walk out and the guy's like, the guy comes up. I don't know if it's a manager or the guy who's running the ride the or what, who it was. But Disney Park people. Yeah. Great guy. I don't know who it was, but great guy. And he comes out and he says, well... You know, we're so sorry this happened, all this you stuff. made sure you were feeling Making okay. Making sure that we weren't going to sue him, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he said, well, is there anything I can do for you? And I was like, no, I think I'm good. My dad's like, you're supposed to tell him that you want fast passes. <laughs> and this guy pulls out like eight fast passes out of his like pocket. He's like, well, I was going to yeah. give you these anyway. And like, <laughs> so, so the- <laughs> anyway, we ended up, we had to ride like eight more rides that night. Yeah. My feet were tired already. We walked, felt like eight miles. Yeah. So I went to the front of the park and they proceeded to stay another two hours. (laughs) Well, wasn't all our fault. Part of it was we went on Splash Mountain. (laughs) That's the name of it, right? Splash Mountain. And then it got stuck. Like on the the big drop right at the end, we were going up and that thing got stuck. And we were sitting there. We probably sat there for 20 or 30 minutes under these crows. And they're like, all I remember was like, they're like, your laughing place? This is your laughing place. <laughs> like, like it was like, it was like creepy, but it was, it would have been like 
pretty cool if we hadn't have sat there for 20, 30 minutes listening <laughs> right. to the sound on loop. Right. Anyways, that's the Disney story. Yeah. Love Disney. And, but Great park. So just kind of the, the overall point of that, yeah. um, when you skinned your knee, they yeah. changed that whole experience. Now, you've fallen yeah. down in other places. Yeah. I am the one who falls down. Um, <laughs> but you get back up and you maybe cry a little bit. We put some Band-Aids on you when you were a kid. And you move on. Mm-hmm. And you probably don't yeah. even remember that and happening I get, I get anyplace that else. You. I get that from you. Yeah, it's hereditary. It's, it's hereditary. Yeah. Um, we always but... joke that she's the one. She always, <laughs> She's the one that falls down and gets up real quick before anybody sees that yep. she fell. Yep, that's me. <laughs> um, so when you think about places you've fallen down, I'm betting that's the only yeah. one you can remember. The, because it was, was an amazing experience. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing experience. Um, yeah. the fact that they can't, and, and, you know, we say like the guy was making sure you weren't going to sue. I think the guy generally cared yeah. to make sure yeah. that's how they train their Disney yeah. staff to do it. Obviously that is a side benefit, um, <laughs> in that you made a, a negative experience into a positive one, yeah. but I think there's opportunities for every campground to do that same thing. Even if it's something as simple as if that kid fell down in your park. Maybe you give them a sucker or s'mores kit or bring yeah. them into the store and let them pick out a an ice cream bar that yeah. costs you a quarter at Sam's yeah. Club to buy. There are a lot of little things you can do to make the guest experience yeah. better. Um, and just even a bigger picture type of thing, that shows you how important customer service really is. Absolutely. And a lot of campgrounds take it for granted. They say, well... As long as they're good at the gate when you check in. Yeah. No, you should have people out and about making sure that everybody's happy, that customers are, that, you know, micro trash, for instance. If somebody says, well, I've been noticing a lot of trash, don't just say, oh, okay. We'll get somebody off. on we'll that. We'll get somebody on that. <laughs> you say, oh, that's that's horrible. Like That's not our intention. That's not our our intention. That's not normal. Where did you see it? We'll get somebody out there. We're going to get somebody out there right away. Or, even better yet, I will go get it right now. Yeah, I'm going to go take care of that right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot that you can think about if you kind of export yourself out of a situation. I know I'll see on a lot of the RV boards where owners... um, you know, we all need to sometimes vent or express frustration about situations, but step outside of yourself and try to step into those customer shoes again. And even if your guest is completely out of line, think about what can you do to diffuse the situation to really either make that customer understand how crazy they're being at the moment or kind of give a different perspective to it rather than our natural instinct, which is to like, why are they yelling at me? You know, what do they have against me? It may be that person's just had a terrible day and you have the chance to make it a better day. Yeah. So if if you can make it a better day, that's going to make that customer happier. Right. And happier customers equals returning customers. Absolutely. And, and honestly, and make you happier yeah. too. Yeah, you know, 100%. we all have dealt with frustration. If somebody can, if you go into a, a store to return something and they give you a hard time, 
and then somebody comes along who diffuses that situation and apologizes, even if you were completely out of line, when you think back about that, you say, geez, that kind of changed the whole perspective of the situation rather than escalating it. So um, it's sometimes hard to do in the moment, but train yourself. If you retrain yourself to think about that, um, I think that moves your whole customer mm-hmm. experience to a higher level. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, one other kind of a happy uh, statistic I ran into, I was working with um, another uh, person who's building, a whole different person who's building a campground. There's a lot of those these days. And they had done some research for their business plan and I went back and I was reading these statistics. And when I looked, they were pretty awesome. Um, first, obviously, we look at uh, equity lifestyles and sun communities are two big publicly held um, companies in the hospitality industry with uh, a lot of campground experience. And in the um, report for equity lifestyles in their 10K report, SEC filings, they noted that their total occupancy for annual sites, so seasonal sites, people staying there long-term, was 97.3%. That tells us a lot. Uh, so if we unpack that a little bit, that says, first off, if you have seasonal sites, um, you're pretty much going to have them booked. Now, mm-hmm. the downside of that is seasonal sites obviously sell a whole lot less than a daily site. But what that really tells us about is a trend of people full-timing. Again, people on the road um, may not need to be traveling from place to place as much anymore, but they don't want to buy a house Mm -hmm. or they don't want to stay at a house. They want to have the flexibility to get outdoors and camp. So that Mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, Sun also reported 100% occupancy at Carolina Pines which is a newer park, uh, yeah, Myrtle we Beach. Now, the amazing part about Carolina Pines is it's competition. People always think about competition a lot. Is the market saturated? When Myrtle Beach, if you've ever been to uh, the lower part where Surfside, um, you have Ocean Lakes. Uh, right Land. next door is Lakewood. Lakewood. And then right next door to that is Pirate Land. And then right next door to that is Myrtle Beach State Park. Up the street a little bit, there are about four other parks on the Strip in Myrtle Beach. And guess what? They're all high fill. They have high yeah. occupancy at all of them. And Ocean Lakes, like we were talking about that later. If you're not familiar with Ocean Lakes, I'd recommend that you Google it. But that is a huge park. It's called a super park for a reason. Yeah. But that is why that is... Yeah. And that's why it's so insane that that's filled. So Carolina Pines is in Conway, but it's still maybe 15, 20 minutes from Ocean Lakes and all the mega parks there along the coast. Uh, it is not on the water, mm-hmm. and it's a brand new park. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but yet close to Myrtle Beach. Uh, but 100% occupancy for their annual sites. Now, I will tell you, I believe their pricing is way too low, and that's probably a leading indicator. When we see occupancy at 100%, we know the prices are too low. You're not turning anybody away, basically. 
So Carolina Pines, if you're listening, free advice, raise your prices. Yeah, and I'm sure they're aware. Sun, Sun probably did some introductory pricing to fill that and get the money rolling in on there, but I'm sure we'll see some increases in their pricing. Also amazing amenities there. Um, now that's just one part. Another step uh, was looking at the South Carolina Department of Parks and Recreation. Um, this park that they're building happens to be in South Carolina, my home state. Um, but South Carolina, oh, South Carolina Department yeah, yeah. of Parks and Recreation, we have a lot of parks here and super strong uh, occupancy. They had overall camping occupancy over 70% in the spring of 2021. Wow. And many of them are full. They open out 14 months in advance on the reservations. And they are booked solid, especially the parks along the coast, yeah. Hunting Island, Hunting, uh, Hunt, Hunting Beach, Huntington Beach. Beach yeah. yeah, I was getting confused. Their names yeah. are too close. Yeah. Myrtle Beach State Park, all those yeah. super uh, great parks, uh, but very high occupancy and hard to get into. Yeah. And lastly, they estimated for South Carolina as a whole. Now, keep in mind, some of these parks in South Carolina are in the middle of the state, in the middle of nowhere, with no real tourism destination along there. Um, there are several fabulous parks in a very difficult-to-get-to area along the coast of Georgia and Augusta. Out that way, we've been out there. Um, awesome parks, but not the easiest to get to. Mm-hmm. And overall, in the whole state... Uh, estimated occupancy of 62.7% for RV campsites in last fiscal year. Wow. That is huge yeah. for a state park. Now, yeah. again, I will say price is too low. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's a state park. I hate to, the one downside to the state parks having their rates so low is taxpayers of that state, of which we are some, uh, are paying for those parks to have people from other states to come in and get cheap rates. <laughs> so is the answer just to not pay the taxes? Well, the answer should be, and some states have taken this approach, that the state parks should be cheaper for their residents, but a higher price if you were out-of-state resident. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, yeah. and I agree with that. I think yeah, that's Yeah, I don't fair. disagree at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So some amazing numbers continuing to roll in the campground industry. Yep. All right. All right. I think that's it. I think that wraps us up for this episode, and we look forward to uh, getting some out and about. And also, I wanted to mention one other thing. We always look for great ideas. You'll see I mentioned some ideas of things that I've talked with with clients and prospects throughout my week uh, before. If you have an idea for us that you'd like us to talk about or a question you'd like to get an answer to, please submit it on our website at campgroundcompasspodcast.com and we watch those and we'll be happy to take yep. a look to see how we can help get you, some information out. You can also email us any questions at podcast at campgroundcompasspodcast.com. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, mine is Zach at campgroundcompasspodcast.com. And Donna at campgroundcompass.com. If you have any inquiries about campground accounting, you can send it to that email address or you can send it to Donna at campgroundaccounting.com. They all go Um, the same place. So you'll hit me any (laughs) way you go. Yep. We're very avid email users. Yeah. 
as that lady at school said, emails the way of the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just sure about that, but it's still a pretty powerful method. <laughs> so, anyways, don't forget KOA convention. Uh, I'll throw it up on the screen right now. Orlando, Florida, November 16th through 17th. Come see us. Don't forget about that. Um, we'll be looking for you there. Um, might even be able to record an episode while you're down there at Fort Wilderness, maybe. We might be pretty busy. We'll try. We'll at least get some clips in there. Yeah. So make sure you go check us out. Come to our booth. Come see us. Yeah. So anyways. Right. Until next time. We'll see Thanks ya. for joining us. Thank you for listening to Campground Compass. I'm so glad you joined us. Check out the show notes and more of our seasoned advice at campgroundcompasspodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to explore the archives for previous episodes. And if you never want to miss a single audio adventure in four-season business growth, subscribe to this podcast here and on YouTube. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. Friends on social media, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Campground Compass. Until next time, stay savvy.